Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian, here as always with Michaela. Michaela, how's it going? Uh, what, are you, what are you drinking and watching these days now that uh, springtime is finally starting to uh, show itself? Uh, spring is here. And uh, gosh, I'm still catching up on some of the Golden Globe stuff that's been going around. Um, I can't believe we've done mm-hmm. 15 episodes, by the way. That that seems yeah. totally crazy to me. So that's really exciting. I know, right? Yeah. Um, let's see. I caught up... Um, on the United States versus Billie Holiday. Okay. Because of Andrew Day. Um, mm-hmm. I had not seen that. So I watched that and that was very beautifully acted. Mm-hmm. Um, very tough movie to watch. Uh, I didn't know much about Billie Holiday at all. I'd listened to a ton of her stuff at like Starbucks. Sure. But um, then when I worked there a million years ago and got into jazz, but I didn't know much about her other than, other than that. So it was really mm-hmm. great. I thought she was wonderful. Um, I think it's well worth the time and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in the Oscars. Yeah. I was see what that translates to here. And uh, just another week, we'll get those uh, announcements, right? The, uh, yeah. The nominees. So yes, exactly. And we can talk about them then. Um, yeah. Not much else spring wise. I'm uh finishing up it's a sin so i got the final episode queued up so i'm almost done tonight i'll be finished with it and that is an amazing um pictorial uh view cinematic view of aids in the 80s in london Mm -hmm. so um again it's kind of a heavy topic it's not really bright and cheery like spring but um it's very much worth your time i think it's a really important um show for people to see uh, it's interesting when you think about pandemics, right? Mm-hmm. We've, uh, it's, it's now been a year that the world kind of shut itself down, or at least America shut itself down a year ago this week. Right. And uh, we have vaccinations, right? And I think it's really interesting how we still don't, there's no vaccine for AIDS. Um, there's a lot of really uh, effective drugs out there, but um, because of who and per, per, the perception of who it affected, um, in the in the 1980s, the entire world really dragged their feet on coming up with effective treatments and cures um, and preventative uh, mechanisms. So I think it's interesting. Um, I know that's a little soapboxy, but I think it's important to see. It's a, it was a good. It was really beautifully done as well. So yeah, yeah, that one that one's pretty good. It's on uh, HBO Max if you want to check that one out. Uh, we also were uh, watching uh, some uh, <laughs> not very uplifting uh, films this weekend. So we watched The Mauritanian over the weekend, which, which was also a uh, tough one to watch, but needed to, to yep. check that one out. Uh, Jodie Foster um, won the Golden Globe for, for Best Actress. Um, she was really good. Sahar Rahim was outstanding in it. So uh, that one's, like I said, that one's tough to watch, but I, I yeah. would definitely re- recommend looking into it. It's available now to rent on all of your uh, streaming things. So 
Apple, oh, and awesome. Amazon and all those things. So, so you can check that out if you want to do that. Uh, but you know what is uh, right now, I think I'm ready for a drink to talk about a movie and it's springtime. I think I'm in the mood for something light, something effervescent, something a little fancy. What do you think? I gotcha. I think a champagne cocktail, just like in Casablanca, will do very nicely. All right. Sounds good. Why don't we take a quick break and we'll be right back to chat about this week's cocktail, the French 75. So this week's cocktail is the French 75 and it goes back way back, all the way back to 1915 and Harry's New York bar in Paris, France. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the cocktail was originally called a champagne cocktail or a champagne cup. And when they would make these uh, drinks up, they would, you know, it'd be the champagne, some lemon juice. Sometimes it would have gin in it. Sometimes it wouldn't have gin in it. Um, a little bit of sugar. But we actually get the name French 75 from a very famous cocktail book, which we've talked about before, the Savoy cocktail book in 1930. Um, if you uh, remember just a couple episodes back, the Savoy cocktail book is where the sea breeze uh, was first started. So, so the Savoy's oh, yeah. all, all over uh, this one as well. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Michaela, this was a pretty good cocktail. Why don't you run through the, uh, through the list sure. of ingredients for everyone? Sure. So we uh, begin with one and a half ounces of gin. We used um, Brokers, which is a London dry gin. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is it has a little London like hat. It's got a little hat on the top of it. It's really cute. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. A little, a um, little, uh, little uh, bowler hat. Yep. Little bowler hat. Um, so that, that was fun. And then we add to the gin half an ounce of lemon juice. Fresh squeezed is always best, but you certainly don't have to do that if you don't have any on hand. Um, and then a quarter ounce of simple syrup, which is actually really simple to make. Um, mm -hmm. You can, I recommend you making your own, but you can always buy it if you need to. And yep. then you top that off with some champagne. Uh, we actually use Tattinger and it, it was quite lovely. And then you add a twist of lemon over the top. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, super simple to make and it's very, very fancy looking, right? It's just, I mean, it basically just looks like a glass of champagne, but it has this nice little kind of spiral of the, the lemon peel. And when you drink it, it's, it's very excellent. It's really springy. You get kind of the, the hit of that citrus on the nose. And then you get this kind of uh, like the succulents of like the gin and the uh, lemon juice and the sugar and right. It kind of, kind of yeah. hurts your tongue. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if you really are into super, you know, uh, aromatic gins, this would give it a much different kind of take on it. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a billion gins out there now, right? We right. picked broker brokers because it was just kind of a very basic, smooth, um, run of the mill gin that was very nicely priced. Um, mm -hmm. I bet if you had a gin that offset with maybe some grapefruit notes or, or even apple, I know there was one gin that we had done in the past, um, that we also, mm -hmm. that we couldn't find that might be really neat to try with this and give it a little, just a hint of, of a different flavor, but you're right. This was very uh, reminiscent of spring. I loved, um, just kind of the, it, it was sweet enough where you could have a few, but it wasn't mm -hmm. super sweet. And it right. was, the lemon peel just makes it really fresh and fun and it's real pretty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was uh, a big fan of this one. I, I also just uh, like champagne in general and, and then add gin to anything. So, so I'm <laughs> on board with that. So yeah, uh, definitely a good one and definitely 
gets me in the mood to talk about this week's movie. So why don't we take a quick break and we will be right back and talk about Casablanca. Spoiler warning for Casablanca. If you've not yet seen Casablanca, you should stop. Go have a French 75, watch Casablanca, and then we can chat about it. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen Casablanca, uh, you've had plenty of opportunity because it was uh, it first premiered on November the 26th in 1942 and then had its actual release in 1943. It was directed by Michael Curtis and it stars Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman. Now, we picked to do Casablanca because last week was the Golden Globes and we are running up to the Academy Awards and we thought that it was interesting when we were kind of running through who had you know, won both. There are a bunch of films that, you know, won one and not the other. And this was the first year that the Golden Globe Award was presented. And Casablanca did not win the Golden Globe, but it did win the Best Picture for the Oscars. Um, So it actually was nominated for eight Oscars and it won three of them. So it won Best Picture, Best Director, and the Best Screenplay. Uh, But the winner of the Golden Globe for Best Picture that year was the Song of Bernadette. Uh, which won four Oscars, and it was nominated for 12 Oscars. Now, certainly, I don't know that people hold Song of Bernadette in kind of the same esteem as they do Casablanca, uh, you know, 60 years later, but... Yeah, I think it's interesting because when you look at, like, the top 100 films of all time, Casablanca always makes the list, Um, which may or may not be surprising, right, as we go through uh, this film. But I, I think it's really interesting. It is you know, one of, you know, it's, it's truly an antique film now, right? Because mm-hmm, of its age. Sure. Um, and it, it's got themes that, you know, we can talk about whether they hold up well over time, but sure. it's consistently in the top 100 versus there's a lot of films that were heralded in its maybe generation or decade as being one of the best movies of all time that have not done that. So it's interesting to see, mm-hmm. you know, how and why uh, this film has really stood up to its, it's the test of time. Yeah, I think IMDb has it listed as their number 49th film of all time. So I mean, take that with a grain of salt, you know, however you kind of how your views line up with IMDb. But yeah, definitely. It's, it's always one of the ones that's mentioned, you know, in these top lists of all time. So yeah, well, why don't we just uh, jump into the film? Uh, let's, uh, let's chat about it and, and see what we think. So um, a lot of a lot of these old films, you know, kind of open on open on this globe, but this one's kind of uh, centered more on on Africa and Northern Africa, and we get kind of the background of where the story is taking place. So it's during the Second World War, um, and it's talking about the refugee trail, right? So you have the uh, German soldiers are coming into Paris. Uh, people from Paris are trying to figure out how to get out of there and how to eventually make it all the way over to America. So they need to get to Portugal, but the best way for them to do that is to actually go uh, south through Marseille and Southern France. Um, and then across over into Morocco and into Casablanca, and then they can fly from there to Lisbon, and then and then on to America. But that kind of sets sets the scene for why mm-hmm. this is taking place in in Casablanca and why all of these characters are getting there. So you'll see when we and we go into uh, Rick's uh, bar, you'll just see you know this whole cast of characters, right? So you'll see people speaking in Russian, people in Chinese. It's it's very much like this kind of uh, uncharted black market sort of sort of yep. a town where a little bit lawless and you know everything anything goes if you've got the money for it right right yeah so there's um 
there's it's interesting. There's a uh, opening scene where in this market, um, there's a guy who is pickpocketing everybody. Um, he's warning all these tourists and people who are there trying to get visas and wait in line and um, uh, be seen in a cafe. Um, you know, and when uh, there is a crime, they kind of round up all these, the usual suspects, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the phrase and the, the movie's title maybe came from, um, was that every time there's a crime, the, the prefect right. of police, uh, he is kind of the captain of police, if you will. He always rounds up these usual people and puts them in a, uh, puts them in a paddy wagon and sends them off to jail to be questioned when there's a crime. Um, right. But because of this uh, sort of uh, geopolitical war-based climate that is going on, um, planes are coming in and then planes are leaving and people are always watching the planes leave um, Mm -hmm. because there's tons of refugees from all over Europe, right, that have made this trek trying to get some sort of visa or paper that will take them to Lisbon. And it's important um, to understand you know, this this film was actually filmed, right, and, and was released right in the middle of World War II. So, mm-hmm. um, yep. uh, so it's, it's kind of an interesting, um, it's interesting that they made that choice to go ahead and present this story in the middle of the war before it ended. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it yeah. could have, you know, depending on how the war went, it could have been very bad. <laughs> right, um, for sure. But yeah, so you get these uh, German couriers are killed and they lose their papers. Uh, kind of these blank visa papers, and so they're rounding up all of these people, you know, the usual suspects, as you said, to uh, to figure out what happened to these papers, and then you'll see kind of the plane coming in, and it's you know the kind of Nazi regime, right, coming in to try to figure out where where these blank visa papers went, and and to figure it all out, and the blank papers are going to make their way into Rick's Cafe American. That's right. That's yeah. right. There's a gentleman by the name of Ugarte. Um, who is a kind of a common thief, but he, he takes Rick aside. He asks if he can see him and they go into this back room mm-hmm. and uh, Rick says, you know, what are you doing here? And Ugarte talks to him and says, look, I- I've got these papers and I need you to hide them. Um, I'll have them, you know, out of your hand, uh, out of your hair by the end of the night. And Rick is like, well, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not sticking my neck out for you. If you get caught with them or, you know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'll hold them, but that's it. I'm not doing anything special. I'm not offering you any favors. Um, yeah. And Rick, Rick's very no nonsense. So this is Humphrey Bogart's character. And, you know, you see, when we first see him, he's kind of back in his own office. He's playing chess by himself. He's not, you know, partaking in the activities of the bar. It seems to me like Rick is very much just kind of letting whatever happens in the bar happen. He doesn't want to know about it. You know, he's, very willing to let, you know, kind of these shady characters come in, do their business, but he, he doesn't want to have any part in it. Right. Yeah. He's got a good staff though. He's got, um, Sam is his pianist and kind of keeps everything light. There's a nice, uh, band, uh, kind of brass band behind him that, that plays Hmm. some jazz with him. Uh, But you're right. I mean, Rick, Rick, they talk about it throughout the film. Rick doesn't drink with any guests, no matter how much they beg and plead, you know, Hey, come have a drink with us. He's offered a couple of times throughout the film and he never says yes. Um, He, you know, he doesn't comp anybody's bills. He always makes everyone pay. Like he's just very straight laced. He he stays out of it. Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a girl at the bar by the name of Vaughn, who's, you know, kind of throwing herself at him and, you know, he's not interested. He's, he's just there to, 
you know, take care of his own business and, and let, you know, things kind of, kind of flow the way that they're going to flow. But we're introduced then to another gentleman um, by the name of Ferrari, who owns kind of a competing bar. And it seems like they have sort of a friendly competition. He comes in and, you know, he offers to, to buy Rick's bar. He offers to hire Sam away and, you know, Rick's like, well, I, you can't afford Sam because you know, <laughs> I pay him way too much and uh, all this stuff. So a, a little bit of a friendly competition, but but Ferrari is going to come in and be, you know, an important player uh, later in the film. We get kind of this early introduction to him. Yeah, yeah. No, he it's it's known at this point that he helps um, folks secure visas as well. There's a couple of characters that can do that. So Ugarte is in that business and so is Ferrari, you know, it, it's interesting because Sam, you realize this later, but Sam feels very obligatory and he has a lot of friendship and a lot of, a lot of, a lot of love between him and Rick, right? They, mm -hmm. they've been through some things together. And so he's, he basically says, you know, I'll never leave, I'll never leave Rick, you know, unless Rick, you know, unless, unless this, this cafe doesn't work out for me in another way, but I'll, I'm, I'll never leave, you know? Right. Yeah. And then, you know, just rolling through, you know, all these character introductions in the first part of this film, we have Captain Renault. He comes in. Um, he's sort of the the French uh, police chief there, who's kind of in charge of Casablanca. Um, he's in charge of keeping the law, and now he's got these, you know, German officials, you know, coming in, breathing down his neck. Need to need to figure out where these papers papers come in. So he's there. He's talking to Rick. He says, "Listen, I've got to I've got to make an arrest." For someone, you know, we've got to got to appease these guys. So that's that's what I'm here to do. And then to top it all off, this uh, gentleman that the the German officers are yes. are are sort of hunting down, you know, uh, this Victor Laszlo guy. He's supposedly on his way to Casablanca, um, and everyone's just in a big tizzy about where these papers are and this uh, this kind of political prisoner getting in and getting out. Yeah, yeah. They they let him know Captain Reynolds is. An interesting character, right? Because we see him early on where he's rounding up these usual suspects, but then he's he is feeling a lot of pressure from the Third Reich. Um, you know, uh, Captain, I think he's a captain or General Strasser is, mm -hmm. you know, flown in and he says, you know, hey, it's really important. We got to find out who murdered these Germans. We got to find the papers. It's really important. And then to top it off, he's like, there's this revolutionary Victor Laszlo that's coming in. He's bringing with him a female companion. They, they have to stay. We cannot give them a visa. We can't, they can't figure out a way to pay for it on the black market. Like we can't let them leave Casablanca. They got to stay. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, no one's really heard of Victor Laszlo. He's not famous, right? Rick is like, I don't, I don't know who that guy is. I don't care, right. whatever. And if you're going to make an arrest in my bar, that's cool. I mean, I don't stick my neck out for anybody. Just, you know, mm -hmm. hurry up with it. Basically. <laughs> He's like, um, and so the officer uh, Strasser comes in and he orders a very nice French champagne. Uh, Vuvet Clicquot. Yeah, that. that um, I, exactly. I was, a 1926, I believe. We were not able to secure a bottle of 1926 uh, Vivet yes. Clicquot for our French 75, unfortunately. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we were not. They, but they barely even get a chance to drink it because it's about this time Ugarte shows back up, right? So they yeah. have to, they have to make the arrest, and they get them. And you know, at this at this point, kind of the the German officials and Captain Renault's, you know, asking Rick, like, oh, weren't you gonna, 
or it's going to help your buddy Ugarte out. And, and that's, you know, one of these many times Rick's like, I don't stick my neck out, stick my neck out for no one. Nope. And so, but he does sit down with the officers. He doesn't have a drink with them, but uh, they kind of talk to him. They, they know about him. They're asking him a couple of questions and uh, Rick is nonplussed. He's like, you guys do what you got to do. I'm, I'm not really, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know anything. He cert- yeah. he doesn't tell he doesn't tell them that Ugarte gave them gave him the papers. Um, right. Yeah, and the the officials kind of know all about Rick too, right? So he's always been one to kind of play the middle. So he's been, uh, you know, accused of sort of smuggling weapons uh, throughout, kind of in the the early parts of the war and to all of these places. Never re- never really picking sides, just kind of playing it down the middle, looking out for Rick. Um, and they know this about him. So they're, they're really trying to kind of lean on him saying, you know, what can you tell us about this guy? What can you tell us about these papers? What can you tell us about this Victor Laszlo character? And he doesn't know anything about Victor Laszlo. I mean, he knows, he knows a little bit, but doesn't know much. I mean, he's never met him or anything. And so he leaves that, that scene sort of ends. And then you do see Victor Laszlo come in with, with a woman named Ilsa Lund. And uh, Victor is sure enough looking for Ugarte because he probably wanted to buy those papers and um, yeah. he's not there because he's now been arrested. And so. Yeah. Ugarte is not there. So they're, they're sitting kind of at this table, uh, Victor and Ilsa trying to figure out, you know, what to do. It, you know, uh, Ugarte was there, you know, kind of ticket out of there. Uh, but they're approached by, by another man uh, by the name of Berger. He kind of leads the underground uh, resistance against the the Nazi you know movement in Casablanca and you know he says you know I I can help you but about then you know the the inspector um, Captain Renault comes comes by the table and a burger sees him and you know he he uh, gets out of there but he the has it out there yep the inspector you know tells Victor he's like hey yeah we're not gonna let you leave why don't you come by my office tomorrow and we'll try to you know work out whatever whatever best thing we can do to you know keep keep you comfortable here yeah anyway. it's a very it's a very polite way of being like your ass is not leaving this town buddy <laughs> like right. it was very yeah. interesting they're like hey come come bring your bring your wife and and show up tomorrow at uh you know at 10 o'clock we insist and you know ilsa is like i, I don't like this i'm really worried i'm very concerned and victor mm-hmm. is is you know he's like no it's gonna be all right we're gonna figure it out and so he goes he, he goes to try and meet Berger at the bar because Berger and him still have to have a discussion about some things. And uh, so they order a couple of champagne cocktails, which was the yeah. 75. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Il, uh, Ilsa is uh, looking over at the piano and she realizes that it's Sam and she recognizes him. And she's, she says, oh, it's been such a long time. And they kind of reminisce a little bit you know, she, she asks him, you know, where's Rick? And he says, oh, he's in the back. You know, it's, he's, he's not around. And then she asks him to, uh, to play as time goes by. Mm -hmm. Right. And he says, ah, you know, that's not a great song. (laughs) You can tell Sam is very, he's protective of his friend. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, she, yeah, she wants him to play it almost as like a siren song, right? Because she knows that Rick's going to hear it and respond to it. Yeah. And Sam's like, "Not, I don't want to be in the middle of this, <laughs> lady. You're, you're bad luck. You're bad luck for Rick. Uh, I don't, you know. He's like, I don't know 
where you've been, why you've been you a complete up, right? ass in Paris, right? Yeah. Like <laughs> it's all your fault. Yeah, he, but, I mean, he was nice. He was nice about it, but he was he, he did say you're bad luck for him. This is not yeah. good. Uh, but but he gives in to Ilsa, I guess, as one is ought to do. So he's he starts playing the song, and and as Sam predicted, Rick comes out. He's like, I told you to never play that song, and then he sees Ilsa sitting there. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, you then, I mean, you, you kind of surmised uh, earlier, but it definitely the the connection between them is kind of electric. And he, uh, she, she, she says, oh, hello, you know, hello, Rick. And it's, uh, it's interesting because he, you know, Rick kind of tries to play it cool, but he does a pretty poor job of it. Um, you can see that mm. they definitely had a history. And then uh, to, to add insult to injury, Victor and the inspector come back to the table to have like a big foursome chat. And that's right. not awkward at all. <laughs> yeah, I, they, they didn't even hardly get, a, you know, any time to sort of hash out whatever, whatever needed hashing out before, before Victor, this guy she's traveling with, and the inspector uh, show up. But the inspector says, you know, there's no, no time to catch up right now. It's, it's curfew. Everyone needs to get home. So... Uh, closing closing down the bar Ilsa and Victor leave and that leaves Rick and Sam to to be at the bar Sam's kind of sitting there kind of cleaning up Rick's you know nurse nursing a drink and that's when you get you know one of the many lines of this film that's been repeated all over the place you know of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world she walks into mine and then, you know, Sam's, Sam's trying to appease him. He's like, oh, it's yeah. not, not that big of a deal. You know, she's just passing through. And, and uh, Rick says, no, she's, she's going to show back up. Yep. You know, just, yep. just as, just as matter of a fact as that. Yep. And then we get kind of the, the backstory of yeah. Rick and Ilsa. As, in a bottle yeah. of bourbon or something, right? Yep. Yeah, no, they, they, I guess they were in Paris and it's, it's unclear exactly how far, how far back this was, but Paris had not yet been invaded. So I guess the Germans were getting closer and closer to France because there's a lot of scenes where the Germans go. Yeah. I, yeah, I think there's closer some, to France, but closer and closer to Paris. Sorry. To Paris. I, I think there's some German officers kind of come into the, to the bar that they're sitting in or, you know, they come over the radio and yeah. and say that the troops are going to be there in like three days or some, something. Right. Like that. And which is interesting because I, from a historical perspective, is very educational for me because I had no idea that that's, that's probably very much what happened is because they wanted mm-hmm. to give everybody time to uh, adjust to the fact that they were literally just being taken over and we, right. there was no fighting. <laughs> we were, you know, they were just kind of instructed to let it happen. So, um, yeah. But Rick and Ilsa are in Paris and there's a bunch of, uh, there's a bunch of champagne and they mm-hmm. do these beautiful toasts to each other. Rick always looks at her and says, here's looking at you kid right before they, they have yeah. a drink. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're dancing. There's a bunch, there's this really pretty montage where they're in a car together. They're on a boat together. Um, they're dancing and I, you know, you don't really ever find out how they meet or how they fell in love, but one of the things that was between them was they were not going to ask any questions about each other. And it's probably because they're in the middle of a war, war-torn kind of country, anything could happen. And so they had just really had to live by the moment. Um, yeah. I, I don't know yeah, how that fly today, but, but it's really romantic. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's just because they both were, 
like afraid of wanting to know the background like we we know a little bit about rick's background right you know he's kind of kind of running the weapons and stuff maybe that stuff he wasn't necessarily proud of he didn't want to want to divulge and so he's like you know don't ask me anything about you i won't or don't ask me anything about me i won't ask you anything about you we'll just we'll just enjoy our time in paris we'll always have paris no absolutely i think i think that's really maybe part of the the connection that so many people have to this film is mm-hmm. that there is they, they have great chemistry together, but it's it's a little it's it and it's it's a little fraught, right? So the Germans are coming and mm-hmm. it the they go to this bar where the Germans are going to own every business, basically, they're saying once yeah. they reach yeah. Paris. And so they've got, you know, to drink all the champagne because the, the <laughs> The yeah, owner of the bar is like, screw that noise. We're not going to give any of this to them. Yes, they're, they're sitting at this bar. Sam's, you know, at the piano, kind of playing it. And, you know, Rick comes over with, with a bottle of champagne and he says, he says, drink this bottle of champagne and then drink three more because uh, whoever the bar owners, you know, doesn't, doesn't want the Nazis to drink it. So, so we're dr- drinking it all right, tonight. Right. And that's kind of when you hear uh, Rick's playing, right? He, he says, okay, they're coming in. We got to get out of here. We got to get to, I got to get, you know, on this, on this route down, down through Marseille. Yeah. And he, he tells Elsa, I want you to come with me. And she says, okay, I can't go with you right now, but I'll meet you at the station. Right. I'll meet you at the station tomorrow um, or later today, I guess. She says that she's got to go and take care of some things in the city. And, uh, and he, kind of proposes to her he says you know when we get to marseille should we just get married there and mm-hmm. you know you think um it's very very casual the way he says it it's not like super like i love you and i can't live without you but she becomes incredibly emotional and she's like let's not talk about it let's not t-, you know and you 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 know something's up yeah you get um, kind of an kind of a neat exchange yeah he says let when we get to marseille can we get married um and she kind of pushes back on it. Like I said, she gets kind of emotional about it. And he's like, well, we don't even have to wait till then. We can get married on the train. And she says, can people get married on trains? He says, I don't know. People get married on boats. I don't see why you couldn't on a train. So I'm the captain guy. Let's find the, yeah. I mean, it, it's really, it's really neat um, because he does, he's, he's very sincere. And she, um, she says, well, you know, I, I have some things to do. So, you know, just kiss me goodbye. Like it's the last time you're ever going to kiss me, which is kind of telling. I would have asked mm-hmm. that my, yep. my head would have been like, wait mm-hmm. a minute. Is yeah, this she, the last time she, I'm going to kiss she, you? She showed her hand a little bit. So it should she come did. as no surprise when Rick is standing at the train station, you know, waiting to board this train and she's not there. You know, yeah. he, he's looking worried. Sam, Sam finally turns up and, you know, he tells, tells Rick, I couldn't find her, but she left this note for you. And Rick reads it that basically says, sorry, I'm not coming. If we ever meet again, you can't ask me why. Right. Um, we can ne- yeah, I, I'm, I'm not coming. We should never see each other again. Please don't ask me why. I'll always love you. <laughs> yeah. It's pouring rain. And I will say this. The shot is actually pretty cool because it is a handwritten note. And it is visibly like being rained on as you're trying to read it. So... Mm-hmm. You get the sense that, you know, you start to read these words and they become really muddled. And it's probably, I mean, it's raining there, but you also think about um, Rick reading it and not really when you get news that you don't want, you know, it starts to kind of all 
right. run together in mm. this cacophony of like bad news and you don't want to it's just like oh and it you, your heart breaks a little bit um and yeah. so now you know like the, the you know why uh he's so not happy to see her <laughs> when yeah. she shows up uh at his gym joint so so many miles away from paris um yes so we get th- we get through this uh kind of paris montage and she does she shows up just like just like rick told sam that she was going to when he said she'll be back tonight and she she does she shows back up at the bar and you know that's kind of when they have their their first sort of time together to start to hash things out a little bit but uh, it do- it doesn't really seem to go anywhere for him yeah she doesn't really talk about why she's gone you know why she didn't show up she doesn't really explain who Victor Laszlo is. They just kind of have these kind of barbed exchanges, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, I can't believe you, you know? <laughs> and, and she's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she doesn't even really say she's sorry. It's, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's still as, still as standoffish as ever. So they, so they don't, they don't make any headway there. So fast forward to the next morning. Laszlo, man of his word, I guess, just does show up at the inspector's office, I guess, as, as one is wont to do. So uh, so him and Elsa get to the inspector's office where um, uh, Captain Renault's there and, you know, kind of, they kind of sit down and he's talking to him and he says, I can maybe help you out if you want to turn in, you know, the other people who are in this opposition party. That's going to be your your uh, easiest path forward here. Um, but but Laszlo is not really interested in that. So. No. No, and it does um, turn out we hear a little more about Victor Laszlo's story, and he had apparently been in a concentration camp, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I don't trust you guys at all. Like, you're gonna kill me. What, you know, you're gonna you're gonna throw me in a camp, or you're gonna kill me or torture me, no matter what. So I'm I'm totally not helping you guys out. And um, they uh, they do let him know that Ugarte is dead um he had died that day and they couldn't decide what they were going to put on um the death certificate if he died while trying to escape or if he just hung himself and Mm -hmm. so uh they're they're kind of smarmy and and snide about it um you don't but she's terrified ilsa is like i i'm really scared i i don't know what we should do victor seems a lot less impressed by this behavior um but it's the first time you I felt that they were in some real danger because they're they're letting they're showing their hand as the third right that you know they're willing to to pretty much do anything to make sure that he does not get to neutral ground. Yeah. Well th- we kind of mentioned on it earlier. It seems very much like at least at this point in history Casablanca is very much like this black market international waters, you know, no, no real uh, rule of law. So, you know, whatever goes, you know, yep. money, money talks and, uh, yep. and that's it. And speaking of money talks. So while they're, you know, having their meeting with Captain Renault, uh, Rick's going to go see Ferrari. He needs, needs to tell someone that he has these blank visa papers. Uh, and Ferrari's probably the guy who can, who can help him kind of sort it out because uh, Ferrari is sort of has a hand in this, in this black market dealings and rick is saying look i i've got these pictures for ugardi he's he's dead uh, i've got these visa papers he's like do you want them you can just cut me in on the on the profits for them or you know, we can we can split the profits for them but they're trying they're trying to work out what the, what the best way forward is with these uh visa papers right right 
Yeah, Rick Rick leaves and he tries to find Ilsa at the market, right? So she's like looking yeah, at Yeah, he's Yeah, he's uh yeah, so they're there at, at um at Ferrari's club at the was it the Blue Parrot or the Parrot yeah. Bay Club or whatever whatever it's called and you, as you come out you're in sort of this uh this sort of uh, market area and Ilsa's standing there uh doing some shopping for Yeah, she's looking at like a, a table a shawl look, looking thing, right? And right. you do get a you do get a pretty funny scene cuz the uh the shopkeeper there or at the stand uh, is trying to sell it to her for I think it was like three hundred francs. With seven, um, with seven, seven francs. And then and then when then when Rick comes up, you know he's like, oh, you know, only only two hundred. And, and then, then he goes when, down to a hundred. And then when they start talking, he's like, oh, good friend of Rick's, you know, only <laughs> only one hundred. But we find out this is when she drops the bombshell on him is is that she's you know she's not only traveling with Victor Laszlo, she's married to Victor Laszlo and. Apparently, she was already married to Victor Laszlo when they were together in Paris. So, yeah, yeah, no, and he, he, Rick is just it incensed. He's not, he's really, he really, he doesn't understand it. He doesn't, he's like, I don't understand, yeah. you know, was he kind of, she, she, she he kind of makes a comment like, was there, how many people were after him or after me? And how many people um, have you, you know, been with? And she's like, only him because he was my husband. And it's, yeah, it's really, it's not good, but Rick is, is, he's very hurt. He's very angry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Ilsa and uh, Laszlo were on their way to go see Ferrari themselves because they need a visa and Ferrari's one of the only people left in the city that's doing that business. And so they go ask him for help and uh, Ferrari now knows um, that Rick you know, has the papers. So he kind of tips them off and says, you know, I bet there's one more person you can check. I cannot help you because if I help you, um, then my life is at risk and I'm not going to do that for you. Sorry. Um, but he he offers, he offers to get one for Ilsa. He's like, I can get you one, but I can't get, I can't get one for, for this guy. You know, that's going to put me at too much, too much risk, but Ilsa, Ilsa turns it down. She says, no, it's either both of us or or neither of us. So. Yeah, and and there's a lovely exchange between uh, Victor and her uh, as as well because you know he says you should take it, you should take this. Um, mm. I'll I'll follow you, I'll figure out a way. And she's like, no, you've never left me, and I'm not going to leave you now. And um, it, it's 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 sweet. But um, yeah, they go back to Ferrari and say, yeah, it's either two of us or none of us. And he says, well, good luck. You know, you can always try Rick. He's got, he's probably got those papers. And the thing about these papers is that you could write anybody's name. They were kind of these blank checks (laughs) that you Mm -hmm. could write to get out. So, um, you know, there's always that. So meanwhile, Rick is uh, back at his bar um, mm-hmm. and a very lovely girl, young girl walks in to talk to him and she says, Hey, look, I, um, I want to know, you know, the prefect of the police, Renault, mm-hmm. yep. Renault, sorry, Renault, is he a person of his word? And you'd seen her earlier, um, when Laszlo and his wife were having a conversation with him about, you know, Ugarte being dead, you see her walking in and you the the woman says you know i'm a i'm from bulgaria me and my husband are are you know at the casino we're going to try and make some money um gambling it away um because we yeah. really need our visas but renault has come to me and or i've gone to renault and asked for help and if i if i sleep with him he's going to give me 
the papers for both me and my husband. And I just need to know mm-hmm. if I'm going to do that. If I, you know, it, it sounds like his, her husband would not be, not be privy to this knowledge. She'd just kind of show right. up with these papers. And she said, you know, if I, if I give myself to him, is it, you know, is he going to actually be a person of his word? Keep his word, yeah. And Rick is in, it's interesting here because he does not stick his neck out for anybody, but he says, yeah, you know, he's probably a person of his word, but you know, I'm sure you'll figure this out. I don't know if this is the right thing for you to be doing though. And he just kind of leaves her to her own devices. Mm -hmm. But then uh, he goes to where the husband is at the roulette table and um, he kind of tips his hat over at the, at the croupier um, or whoever, whatever they're called, the people that do the roulette table the and roulette um, guy, yeah. the roulette guy and <laughs> he wins um twice in a row and he wins a lot of money and so you know he really helps this bulgarian couple out um they now have a m- enough money to go buy the visas uh mm-hmm. from ferrari or someone they don't have to um right. you know she doesn't have to s- be sexually assaulted by yeah. reynolds um which, yeah, which this is, is actually kind of cool this is a turning point right yeah, this is kind of where you you see Rick turn, right? So that's kind of been well established that he's he's very much you know kind of kind of rides the fence on all of these uh, situations and and people and dealings. He doesn't doesn't kind of stick his neck out for anyone, but but here you see he has he has the opportunity to help this young couple, uh, and he takes it. And that's like I said, sort of where you see his his turn, where he's going to you know kind of start being helpful. Um, with the with the with the Victor Laszlo situation, and but he's unfortunately he's not going to be able to to keep his bar open. You know the the German officials are storming storming around. They've not been able to to get you know Laszlo's situation sorted. They've not you know been able to find these papers. They haven't been able to figure out who killed these couriers. So they just come in and they order the bar shut down. They know a lot of shady stuffs going on there. Yeah, so they. Rick walks in right after helping that um, Bulgarian couple, he walks in from the casino and he sees that Strasser, the German soldier and all these Germans are singing this German song. Mm-hmm. And, yep. um, to, you know, I, I don't speak German, so I don't know what it was saying, but it was like, probably like the third Reich is wonderful and Adolf Hitler is a God or something horrible like that. Right. And then someone, uh, Victor Laszlo is there and he tips off the band and he has them play the uh, the French national anthem I believe and mm-hmm. so Rick actually tips his head and he's like yeah go ahead and play it and so then all of these folks that were not singing at all start singing the French anthem so you've got this war right. of German versus France and you know it's an un- unoccupied France so it's uh, a bunch of people even um rick's kind of girl on the side um who we only see a couple of yeah the yeah the girl that you know was at the bar was interested in rick and rick was uh definitely not interested in her from yeah from earlier yvonne is there yvonne so she starts singing i mean everybody kind of joins together and they're so incensed strasser is so angry that's when he tells uh renault that he has to close the bar because he's like, you know, you're completely ineffective. You know, you said that Rick was going to be fine and this situation is not fine. So you're, we're closing the bar. And it's Yeah, he tells Renault that there's uh, there's gambling going on there. And he says, what, there's gambling here? And someone from the back comes out and says, you're winning, sir. And, and oh, thank him, you so much. A big stack I'm of money. shocked. 
shocked that there's gambling here. It's, it's, it's one of the best scenes ever. But um, so they close the bar and Rick, he, you know, he's, he's pretty cool as a cucumber until later that night, he's doing the books with Sam and he's wondering how long he's going to be able to keep this, this, this up. So he's, you know, he's only got enough money to be able to pay everybody and keep the doors open for like a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And so he's yeah. feeling the pressure that, you know, Hey, we need to figure it out. We need to figure out how to get either the Laszlo's need to leave or um, something. Cause we need to be, he needs to be able to open. Yeah. He's, re- he's ready to get back to uh, get back to his, his life of just running this bar, not having to deal with Ilsa and yeah, everything that's going on with the, the Nazi soldiers and stuff being there. But you get kind of a scene of Victor and Ilsa back at the bar. He's wanting to go to this Casablanca underground meeting. And she's she's pretty cold on the idea. She's like, I don't want you to go out. It's not safe for you to go out. Then we get kind of exchange where, you know, he's telling her that you know, Rick has these has these papers. I went to try to get them. I, you know, I tried to, I offered him a bribe, but he wouldn't take it. And then he ha- he says something to the effect of why or why did you tell him that we were married? Um, and I, I couldn't really understand why <laughs> why that was if if it's if he thinks it's supposed to be a secret or if they weren't actually married and she was just saying it to wind Rick up. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think because when Laszlo does go to Rick and say, "Hey, I, I really I know you got these papers," Rick's pretty adamantly not nice to him he's just like i'm not giving you this for any amount of money you go ask your wife and he's like why would he say that and i think then there's this really kind of intimate exchange where he says you know were you really lonely in paris and what you find out is that you know he is a freedom fighter and he got captured and he was put in a concentration camp for a year and she got word that he had died trying to escape. So she did think that she was a widow. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then, you know, right as Rick and her were going to leave Paris together and form this great new life, she gets word that he is alive, but very ill. And so that's why she didn't show up. So when Victor Laszlo t- asks Ilsa and says, you know, were you lonely in Paris? She said, yes. And he says, well, I, I understand that. And mm-hmm. um, I love you very much. And they both sort of exchange there and dec- declare their love for one another yet again. And it's interesting because I think at that point, Victor Laszlo knows exactly who Rick is. He right. knows um, that they probably had uh, some, some sort of affair that wasn't really a nefarious affair because she never told him the truth and she thought he was dead himself herself. So, right. mm-hmm. um, but it's really interesting because he doesn't, he doesn't bring it up again yeah yeah it's just yeah kind of very one-off but but Ilsa needs to get these these visas so you know Victor goes to this underground meeting so she she knows Rick has the papers so she's going to go and confront him right so he wouldn't he wouldn't take the bribe from Victor but maybe she'll listen or he'll listen to her you know listen to some reason but Rick's still not having it he's like no I'm not I'm not going to give you these and she ends up pulling a gun on him which uh (laughs) it's like it's like zero to 60 she's like (laughs) he says no and and, yeah in an attempted manipulation like the one in progress I would have gone with flattery not pulling a weapon but Uh, but Rick calls her bluff on it right he kind of he does the the tried and true just you know step up into the gun and you know it's like go go for it then you know rick's tired he's tired of running this uh this gin joint he's tired of dealing 
with Ilsa and all of this shenanigans. So, so he, he kind of calls her bluff and, and obviously she doesn't do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, if anything, she pulls back and she says, Oh, I can't kill you. I love you so much still. And I can't live without you. And it's, yeah, I mean, it, it's zero to 60 and then 60 to 180. Like it's just in the opposite direction of, of, mm-hmm. because she goes from, you know, begging him, calling him a bunch of names, threatening to kill him and then being like, I can't live without you. I can't possibly ever leave you again. And Rick kind of breaks down. He can't, he can't deal with her um, crying and being upset. And so they, they have a a moment where they kind of kiss and, you know, they, you know, she, she says, I can't, I can't figure this out. I need you to think for the both of us. Mm. And he says, I'm going to come up with a plan. I don't know. Um, I don't know how, but I'm going to figure it out because she really says she, she can't leave him again. She can't bear to leave him. Yep. And so, you know, unfortunately, uh, the police, um, have broken up the meeting that Victor Laszlo went to. And so he shows up down downstairs, uh, where the bar is. And so Rick is upstairs with his wife, um, and so he he kind of has to figure out a way to get her home safely and then have a conversation with Laszlo. Mm-hmm. And um, when he does have this conversation, it's interesting because, again, Laszlo now knows who Rick is. He, know, he knows what kind of has happened. He doesn't know a lot of the right. details, but he knows enough, right? Yep. And he says, look, you have these tickets. Why don't you take them and you and Elsa go? Yeah, and... Victor Victor knows, right? When the police broke up the his meeting, you know, the underground Casablanca, he's he he understands that his odds of getting out of Morocco are slim to none. So he's like, you know, you've got these tickets, take Elsa, get out of here. You know, at least I all know that she's she's safe and she's with you and you'll protect her, you'll take care of her. Yeah. And, and so that that's what he what he asks Rick to do. But it would seem that Rick's not that interested in it because uh, Captain Renault shows up. Rick Rick had uh, had sort of uh, put in a call to him, right? So right, yep. says you know Victor's coming to the bar. I'm going to meet him there, give him these tickets. That'll be the perfect time. You can you can scoop him up and take him out of there. You know, get get the Third Reich off off your case. You know, we'll get get things back to normal. Um, yeah. So it, it seems you know at the onset that that's exactly what. Rick has done. He's set Laszlo up to get arrested. Right. Right. And you, you, as a viewer, and if you hadn't seen it before, you really, you're, you're really not happy with Rick. You don't know what's going on, but you're like, man, it's one thing to like abscond with some dude's wife. It's another thing right. to like, leave him, like lead him into the lion's mouth. Right. You're, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I thought I, I was not, I was not pleased with <laughs> Rick at this point um, because he's so, calm and he's so very very decisive right he doesn't show a lot of emotion um you know he certainly doesn't look like he's wrestling with a conscience when he's doing this at all and then in the meet the next the very next scene he's selling his entire bar to ferrari including um you know making sure sam gets a bigger pitch a bigger portion of the proceeds and so Mm -hmm. you're like well you care about sam but you know this person that your lover or ex-lover is you know, bound to, you don't seem to give a crap about him. It was really, is, is very well done because, um, right. Yeah. It was very well, but, 
Yeah, so he sells the bar. You think he's just he's setting himself up to get out of there. He's cashing in on the bar. He's got Ilsa ready to go. He's got Victor set up now to to get arrested. But Rick's going to pull uh, another switcheroo, and he apparently had gotten the gun from Ilsa, and he's going to pull it on Captain Renault and say, now about, about you arresting him, you're not going to do that. We're going to take him to the airfield. We're going to give him these papers, and you and I are going to hang out until – they both get on the plane and they get out of here. Right. And uh, Ilsa is very shocked. She's like, she's like, what are you talking about? She, you know, when they first show up in this scene, Ilsa kind of takes Rick aside and says, well, Laszlo thinks he's coming with me and we know that's not true. And, and he says, ah, just let me, let me handle it. It's fine. And, um, and then by the end of the scene, you know, she's, she's like, I can't believe this. This isn't what you said. And he said, well, I thought about it you know, for both of us. And this is, this is the right thing. This is the right way to go. And, um, you know, so Captain Reynold actually uh, makes a call and he's been instructed to call the um, airport tower to let them know that they're on their way and to have the train, the plane ready. But Mm -hmm. really he ends up calling General Strasser from the Third Reich and Strasser picks up uh, and from the exchange, he, he understands that it looks like, you know, they're Laszlo and his wife are going to make a run for it. And so he kind of meets them at uh, the airport, right? They're racing, r- racing to the airport uh, to stop uh, Laszlo taking off on this plane. And, um, but yeah, we get this really sweet last exchange with Ilsa. Yep. Yeah. And that's where you, where you get about five more quotes that you get from Casablanca in this, in this last yeah. little exchange, you know, this doesn't amount to a hill of beans, another, another couple, uh, Here's looking at you, kid. Yep, yep. Um, you know, all that stuff. We'll yeah. always have Paris. We'll always have Paris. You know, she she really, she's like, this is not what I wanted. And he says, well, you know, you told me to think for you and think for both of us. And I did. And this is really the right choice. You know, Laszlo loves you and he is, uh, you know, really changing the world. He's really fighting for something that means something. And he can't do that without you. And, you know, you might re- not regret you know, staying with me today or tomorrow, but someday you will, and then you'll regret it for the rest of your life. And I can't do that to you. So he, he mm-hmm. just lets her go. You know, he does do something else too, which I thought was really classy. He tells um, Laszlo that, you know, she, you know, had come to him the night before, um, which was true. And that she had asked for the tickets, which was true. But he said that she, you know, made up the story that she was still in love with him and she mm-hmm. said, you know, and he, he makes it clear. He says, you know, Laszlo, that, that ended. It was long ago. It's not real. You know, yep. um, right. he play, she, you know, she tried to play on my emotions, but it just didn't work. And that was not true. But I thought it was really sweet that he did that because he really wants Laszlo to not think anymore about Rick and her being a thing, right? He really wanted yep. them to um, go forth and kind of put this whole thing behind them, which was, I thought, very sweet. Yep. Yeah. And the Nazi officers, they don't get there in time. You know, the plane goes and takes off and Rick still has his gun. Uh, so he, uh, you know, it, instead of getting arrested um, by this uh, third Reich official, uh, he's going to use the gun, shoot a Nazi, which is always uh, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. <laughs> not so, a bad thing. And then, uh, it, Captain Erno looks at him and says, oh, you're not only a sentimentalist, you're also a patriot, <laughs> uh, yeah. which, which is probably my favorite of the, of the lines. And then 
the two of them uh, wandering off, right? So Renault knows that his his days are are done as you know the the captain of this uh, this French force, and now uh, Rick has his bar sold. He's he's just shot this officer, so he knows it's time to get out of there. So they're yeah walking off into the sunset, you know, <laughs> commiserating. Right. And, yeah. And that's, and that's when you get when you get the last line of the film. Another another one of these things. Uh, which is, I think, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, and that and that's how it ends. So that's how it ends. That is that is uh, Casablanca. Uh, Michaela, what tell tell me about how much you like Casablanca? You know, I liked it. I did not love it. It's not okay. my favorite. I and I don't know why. Um, I don't know if it's because. I've heard every line that has been said about mm-hmm. 50 times. And so they lost it. Lo- I lost the sentimental kind of value behind that. I don't know okay. if it's, um, if it's because th- a version of this has been played out uh, in numerous, in numerous ways and for different series and other different movies that kind of have this um, version of a star cross lover, you know, mm-hmm. uh, syndrome going on. Um sure. You know, I, I thought the plot has a lot of holes for me. <laughs> um, I really thought, to me, my favorite scene um, n- watching it. Now, this is only the second time I've really watched it and paid attention to what was going on. Um, my mm-hmm. favorite scene this time watching it was definitely the German song versus the French song. Um, okay. I thought that I really liked that. I thought that that was a really interesting um way to really show how people were thrown into situations and they were really torn by um their you know being able to express their feelings that you know being a nazi is bad and we don't want to be we we're not german um and we don't believe that that's that that's you know they should be the runners of the world but also the fear behind that um you know world war ii is a very scary time and a lot of countries had to really um, make the decision whether they should stand up for a lot of people had to stand up for what they believed in and run the risk of them being killed, their children being killed, people being tortured to death, sent to concentration camps. And that part really uh, resonated with me a lot more than the love story, which is odd because I'm a romantic at heart mm-hmm. and the love story is supposed to be amazing. <laughs> and I, I, yeah, it, it didn't do it quite for me, but uh, what about you? What are your yeah. thoughts? Uh, I feel the same way about the love story aspect of of the movie. That didn't really resonate with me as much, but I I did really like kind of Rick's arc, right? So you have this war starting starting out. You have Rick kind of kind of playing both sides, being non-committal, doesn't really want to doesn't want to choose a side, but kind of as the story plays out, he's he's forced to make a decision, right? Whether he's going to going to stand up for, you know, Ilsa and Victor stand up against you know these uh, Nazi officers or or not you know he had he had to sort of make a choice and what which side he was gonna gonna come out on and I had watched this a long time ago um, so when I rewatched it this past weekend was the first time I'd seen it in I don't know probably 20 25 years something like that so you know at the end of the film it, you think for for a time and they leave it linger there uh, for a bit that he, you know, turned in Victor 
you know, he'd, he'd set him up and he was, he was cashing out and he was going to, you know, take his prize and get out of there. Um, so I, I think that, that his arc is really good. I really like gold cinema as well. I like the way that they played with uh, different lighting techniques and the way they shoot different things, especially in black and white films. Cause you don't have the, have the colors. They played a lot with shadows. There's a really cool scene um, earlier in the film where, uh, someone from the the casino side of the bar comes in and is like, "Oh, we, you know, I lost two thousand dollars. I'm sorry about that." Mm-hmm. And Rick's like, "It's not a big deal." And he goes into his office, and you don't see Rick because he's off screen getting into the safe. But it mm-hmm. has this really cool uh, shadow projection of him, so you can see exactly what he's doing. But he's off screen doing it, and you see see the shadow of him doing it on the wall. That's that's really cool. Um, there are some other really neat scenes with the with the airplanes coming in. Yeah. in and out and that's probably the first time that had been done in cinema at least on that scale which i think is part of why you know why it did so well why it won the uh academy award huh. for that so um, yeah, no, i think that's awesome i think there are some interesting things to to take away from it um for sure and definitely worth watching if you've if you've not ever seen it um you know and if you've not ever seen it you can check it out because it's on hbo so if you have a subscription to HBO, you can watch it. That's where I watched uh, watched it. Um, I assume that's probably where you watched it as well. Yes, it was. That, Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So and the cool know. thing about HBO now, HBO Max, is that you can download stuff. You never, when it was HBO Go, you could not. So if you are, I mean, no one's getting on a plane because we're still in the middle of a pandemic, but if you're in the car or someplace where you don't have access to Wi-Fi, you can actually download stuff from there. So that's download pretty cool. It. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, anyone uh, listening along, let us know if what your thoughts on Casablanca are. Um, if it's a movie that you've watched, if it's one you hold, you know, near and dear to yourself, if it's something you've you've not ever seen but you know all of the lines by heart, you can look up lists of the top lines from Casablanca. There's like 50 lines, which is basically the whole <laughs> script the of, movie. The, of the film. So definitely let us know. And if you make a French 75, you're in luck because it's delicious. So take a picture of that. If you make one of those and, you know, definitely let us know how you like, like that cocktail as well. If you do take a picture of it or want to tell us what your thoughts are on Casablanca, you can do that on our social media. It's at drink the movies on Instagram and Twitter and facebook.com slash drink the movies. If you want to see a picture of our French 75s, uh, you can do that on drinkthemovies.com. We'll have the kind of written recipe, little episode recap and uh, lots of pictures there. Uh, Michaela, why don't you tell people where they can find the podcast? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere Anchor Podcasts are distributed. We'd appreciate it if you subscribed. And if you like the podcast, give us a five-star review because it really helps us get the Drink the Movies out there. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, my French 75 has come and gone the way of a Casablanca sunset. Oh, sad face. We need another then. Yeah, we better do another... Yeah, we better go mix up another one. So why don't we do that? And we will see everyone next time on Drink Drink the the movies. Movies. That was pretty close. That was close.